series. So we're dealing with the topic of how to deal with disappointment. And disappointment is the emotional response to a failed expectation, hope or desire. And disappointment is not exempt from the Christian life. We all know that we can be Christians and love God and be walking with God, yet disappointment somehow finds us. And, you know, we shouldn't be surprised or shocked by that because we are told um, in the Word of God, in John 16, 33, are told, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you will have tribulation in the form of disappointments, and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it, deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. What a beautiful word that we can hold on to in our hearts. And disappointments can have different impacts on our lives. There are many different um, types of disappointments and, and I'll give you an example. You can be disappointed um, when you go fishing, you plan a whole day and you go out fishing, you get the right bait, you've studied the area, you've gone to the right spots, you've watched that Aurora show, whatever it is, and you've got all the tips and you come back that day and you didn't catch fish. Of course, that does not happen if you go with Mick Sabat. <laughs> so that is disappointing. You didn't catch fish. You can be disappointed to the point of deep sorrow when you give birth to a baby and the doctor says, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry, you know, there's something wrong, there's something not quite right. That is a deep disappointment. There's a big difference between the first disappointment and the second disappointment because the impact on your life is so very different. Your life turns and everything changes, and the road that you thought you were on, the dreams and the expectations and the hopes that you had in, in having this child is completely different to your expectation. And that's a huge disappointment. And even worse than that, you might think, well, there's nothing worse than that. But I think there is something worse than that, and there's an even bigger disappointment when you know or love somebody or there's somebody in your family that is not walking with God. Because the impact on that is not just on your life, now but it's on it's in impact on the eternity and the eternal life of that person so we've got to look broader so so disappointments can come at very many different levels and it's very real and we experience it not just once or twice in our lives but sometimes many times in our life at those different levels and <clears throat> sometimes people's responses to disappointment and that's why we're doing on how we're talking on how to deal with disappointment some people's responses to disappointment can be very, very different. You might get somebody that responds to um, not catching a fish the same way somebody else would respond to a death in the family. And I think if that happens, we have to really search deep in our hearts on what's the underlying issue in that and, and how are we dealing with disappointment. Sometimes for myself, I don't know about you guys, when, when disappointment comes, my question is why? Why is this happening? You know, no one can answer those questions because really we can, we can assume, but we, we never know exactly why. But in the midst of our deepest letdowns, in the midst of that dark, in the ditch that we were talking about this morning, that God will use these disappointments to strengthen us in our relationship with him if we allow him to. And I reason in my own mind, sometimes I reason because I try and speak the word of God back into my, into my heart so I can try and understand and deal with what's happening. 
And, and if God is good, then in Matthew 7, he says, why does, it, why does it say this? Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open. So why am I dealing with disappointment? This is my mind. This is how I work. I don't know if anybody's like me, that you just say, well, what's, what's happening? If I was to deny that God had anything to do with my disappointment... I would deny his sovereignty over every single thing in my life and I will not do that. God is sovereign over everything and God knows what's happening before it even happens and I need to declare that, that nothing happens outside of God knowing about it. So, for example, if I apply for a job and I really, you know, like this job, it's, it's a promotion to my last job, it's got really good money, which everybody goes for good money, great conditions, bonuses, it's a promotion, and all these things. And I pray to God, I believe. I, I go to the interview. I feel like I did really well in the interview. Um, every, I, I think to myself, God's on my side. What can happen? I've got this. I've really got this. And then I get the call and it's like, I'm sorry, but, you know, we, we really chose somebody else this time, maybe next time. And, and how do you feel with that disappointment? Did God not have the power to work on my behalf with that job? Well, of course he did. Of course he did. Nothing happens without God knowing. So his sovereignty over every single thing has to stand in our hearts. We need to know that. And on the other hand, if I was to say that, that God did that, then I'd be blaming God and saying, well, God's not wishing the best for me. You know, if God is so good, you know, I'd be denying his goodness. I would be denying God's goodness to think that, you know, this is, this is because God doesn't want me to, to have this job or I might even think, well, he's having a bad day. I just got him on the wrong day. That's not God's heart. God is a good God. Our God is so good. We need to settle that theology in our own hearts that God is good. And whatever happens, even if, if we think it's the worst thing that could happen, God is good. And his heart for us is good. Psalm 119.68, you are good and kind and do good. He does good. Teach me your statutes. Psalm 34.8, Oh, taste and see the Lord our God is good. Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied is the man who trusts and takes refuge in him. Beautiful verses that we can comfort ourselves with. So how do we deal with disappointment? Well, I'd like to say the first thing is that there's going to be grief and we need to have permission to grieve. Whatever that loss is, whether it's the job, whether it's, you know, the baby, whatever it is, we need to have that moment. We need to have that moment of grief. It's quite natural and normal. We need permission to grieve. But you know what? We cannot stay there. We cannot stay in the ditch. We heard Pastor Sean this morning, you cannot stay in the ditch. We cannot stay there. It's not where we're meant to be. If we stay there, we allow depression to take hold. It takes hold of us and then it's even harder to get out because you're in this dark place and you can't see your way out. We don't want to do that. And in that place, it, you find faith is reduced. You can't stay in that place. We've got to get out of that place and we've got to get the strength to rise up in God. And, uh, you know, everyone knows our story and how difficult it was for us to conceive in the first few years of our marriage. And we were trying and then... You know, every time we'd try, the doctors would come back and say, oh, I'm sorry, not this time, again. Try again, a couple of months. And it was more time and I felt like I was getting older. But of course, I was so young, I didn't realise then, did I? <laughs> but 
you know, it's that disappointment again and the journey's not over. The I had to keep going on this journey and I didn't want to be in that place. I did not want to be in that place. But I knew that if I stayed there, I would not have enough strength to keep going for the next round. I had to find that strength. I had to find that strength from God so that I could go for that next round. And, you know, a lot of the major, the most wonderful people, the people that did the most major things for God in the Bible all suffered a, a mass of disappointments. And, you know, David is one of those. He was a man after God's own heart, and yet he had many, many disappointments. And one of the times that he was hiding from Saul, he'd gone to, to, the, to the Philistines and he'd found a place to live with them. They gave him a place called Ziglag and he lived there with his 400 men and their wives and children and, and all their livestock. And the, the Philistines were going to rise up against Israel to fight with them. And so he wanted to help. And of course, in the wonderful Middle Eastern tradition, the, the, the Philistines said, no, well, we don't trust you, so we're not going to let you fight with us in case you go back on their side, so you're not going to be with us. So they sent him back. And when he went back to the town where his family was, everything was burnt to the ground. The women and children were gone. The livestock was gone. Everything was gone. And the men fell in grief to the ground. And they mourned and they wept because everything was gone. It was a huge disappointment. They didn't even get to go to war. And they came back and nothing was gone. And nothing was there. Everything was gone. So, so what did they do? Well, the, the, the soldiers wanted to rise up. They responded like, we're going to kill you, David. We're going to stone you. We're going to stone you. But I want to read to you David's response. The man after God's own heart, his response. 1 Samuel 36. David was greatly distressed, for the men spoke of stoning him, because the souls of them all were bitterly grieved, each man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And we need to do the same. We need, there is a time of grief, and that's absolutely normal. But you can't park there. We cannot park there. If we park there, our faith diminishes, and then we go into a place of unbelief. And we don't want to be those people. We don't want to be those people. We want to have that faith. We want to be strengthened in the Lord. After Jesus was crucified, his disciples went into the same thing. They were in mourning. They were in mourning. And in the Middle East, when you mourn, you really, really mourn. I remember when my aunt died, when I was a young girl, the relatives came to mum's place and they said, no TV, you've got to turn the TV off. There's not allowed to be any TV, no music. You've got to turn the music off. We weren't allowed to have music on. Um, we weren't allowed to eat sweets because it was sweet. We had to eat bitter things, savoury things. It's really strange. So, so... Jesus' disciples would have been the same. They would have taken on that bitter myrrh because they were in mourning. And so they were in so much mourning, they could not see the glory of God right in front of them. They could not see it. I want to read a verse from Mark 16, 9. Now Jesus, having risen from death early on the first day of the week, appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported it to those who had been with him, while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe it. They did not believe it because they were full of unbelief. They were in that place. They were parked there and it brought unbelief. And we don't want our disappointments to leave us in a place where we're going to be full of unbelief and our salvation is right there. Jesus was right there. He, he had risen. 
He had risen, but they didn't take any notice of it. They didn't even hear it. It just went right over their heads because they were in unbelief. We don't want to be those people because surely enough that God's going to open a door somewhere. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to leave us. Do we trust him? Do we trust him enough? Do we trust him? We've given him our life. We, we call him the Lord of our life, but do we trust him? Do we allow him to be the Lord of our life? He is the one that sees the end from the beginning. He knows everything and he is well able to do what he said he would do. And Pastor Sean spoke about Joseph this morning and I, and I think God's saying something here because I picked the exact same verse that he had picked and, and we didn't even know each other. So I think God's saying something. Joseph, a life of disappointment, disappointed by the people that were closest to him. How many times do our relatives and families and people closest to us disappoint us? He went through so many disappointments. His life took a different course completely because he had to live without his dad, without his mum. He had to live all alone in a strange land. That's a huge thing to happen to somebody. It was a terrible, terrible thing what happened to him. And God used this time God used this time, God used this life, God used those disappointments to bring glory to his name by feeding so many people that would have otherwise starved to death. Because what was in him was bigger and mightier and greater. God had put greater things in Joseph than just the disappointments, as big as they were. Genesis 50, 20, I need to read this because it's really important. This is what God does. As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are this day. What an amazing thing. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Who else can turn evil things into good? Only God can do that. So we've got to trust God. We've got to trust God and believe God, regardless of our disappointments. And in our natural mind, I mean, sometimes, you know, you just got to think, we usually think that, you know, if someone loves you, they do good to you. That, you know, if God loves me, nothing bad's going to happen. But God's love is not shaped by things that happen. He loves us no matter what. He loves us no matter what we're going through. He loves us no matter what we're going through. And he says, I am the good shepherd. And I was, as I was preparing this, I kind of went to Psalm 23 where it says, You anoint my head with oil. And what a beautiful scripture that is. You anoint my head with oil. What, what, is, what does that mean for us that the good shepherd would anoint our heads with oil? And in biblical times when the sheep were running around, they used to anoint their whole heads, their ears and their faces and everything with oil to stop the flies and the bugs getting into their ears and their nose and causing havoc in their brain. And you know, when we're going through stuff, the oil of God can come on us if we allow it. And it will not be bothering our heads because we've got so much trust in him. It will not hurt us. His oil will protect us. Even though we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not getting into our heads. It's not causing us to stay in that ditch. But the oil is being poured out. The oil is being poured out on us. And it's very important that what we're going through in our circumstances does not always reflect the love God has for us or the protection. He is protecting us. We have to believe that. We have to believe that. And, and many times I think we need to understand that, that there is kind of a paradox in the Christian life. And, and I know that Paul understood it so well. There's this sorrowful rejoicing, sorrowful yet rejoicing. So we'll have great times 
and we'll have not so great times, but sometimes they, they need to happen together, that while we're going through stuff, that it could be sorrowful, but inside, the joy of our hearts is found in him. Amen. The joy of our hearts is found in him. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6.10, As grieved and mourning, yet we are always rejoicing, as poor ourselves, yet bestowing riches on many. As grieved and mourning, yet we are always rejoicing. I think we need to know that place. We really need to get into that place. And Paul knew his father. We know what, what Paul went through were terrible things, imprisonment, stonings, you name it, he went through it, persecutions. We may never, ever go through anything like that. Thank God for that. But he understood the joy in light of eternity. He understood and trusted God. And he placed God above all else. And sometimes we meet people that, and they have adversity in their life and many disappointments. And last week I was... I was ministering to a lady and she was, she just maybe a year or two ago, gone, um, she'd retired and she'd, she'd kind of left work and <clears throat> she had saved a whole lot of money for her retirement. Excuse me. She'd saved all this money for her retirement. But no sooner did she kind of retire and a few months down the track, she'd seen a doctor and she was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And I was talking you know, her through that and, and just seeing, she said, you know, my body is just not what it used to be. And every, every couple of months they're increasing my dose because it's getting out of control. And she said, I must have had it a long time ago. And she showed me her hand. She lifted up her hand and she, she put it out to me like that. And my hand is straight, you know, it's straight right across there. Her hand was literally zigzagged like that. The profile of her hand was a complete zigzag, something I'd never seen in my life before. And I said to her, how do you cope with that? And she said, do you know what? She said, sometimes I ask myself, she has, a, she has a great faith. She says, sometimes I ask myself, and she said, you know, she said, I ask God, God, why, why? And then she said, but you know what? Why not? Why not so I can stay close to him? She said, why not? Why not me? I've got a daughter to look after me. I've got, I've got my children around me. I live with my, she just had this fantastic attitude. I couldn't believe how her attitude was towards what she was going through. Great, great sorrow, yet the most beautiful rejoicing in God and loving God through the whole thing. She couldn't cook anymore. She couldn't, she was European and, you know, cooking's everything. She couldn't cook for her grandkids anymore. She couldn't drive anymore. She couldn't hang the washing anymore. She couldn't do a lot of things, but she was rejoicing. She was sorrowful, yet rejoicing. She was happy in God. She loved God, satisfied with God. And I think, you know, although it sounds like a contradiction, we need to really press into that place where these things that come around, they're not going to knock us out. When they're not going to keep us in the ditch. We're going to trust God. We're going we're to trust God. We're going to trust him because we love him and we know he loves us. <coughs> and Bill Johnson actually says, my world is being shaped by giving him an offering, glory and worship in every circumstance. I thought that was beautiful. That woman was doing that. She was loving God in every circumstance. And the last thing is the attitude of our hearts. It's very important that we check the attitude of our hearts. We can respond correctly with dis to disappointments on the outside of our hearts, but sometimes on the inside we can harbour bitterness. We can hold grudges. We can, you know, if someone has, has disappointed us, we can really keep that on the inside of us. And we need to really be careful to, to guard our hearts Sometimes even in our hearts, we might 
not realise that we're putting something against God, like you've allowed this to happen, Lord. We need to guard our hearts because out of it, you know, Proverbs 4.23, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the, the springs of life. It's very important. And many people say to lower your expectations of people. If you expect nothing, then you get nothing, then you won't be disappointed. Well, you know what, I kind of would say something different. I would say move your expectations of people and put your faith in God, who is the Lord of your life, and trust him through all our disappointments. And don't let those things come into our heart because our God, he has great plans for you, great plans to prosper you and not to harm you. You know, great plans. He, ha he will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. That's our God. That's our God. Let's look to God because in Romans 8, 28, it says, we are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and his purpose. So whatever disappointments that we face in our lives, no matter what sorrow or pain that, that comes across, you know, God promises that he will never, ever leave us. He is right there with us in the ditch getting us out. He is right there with us. And Jesus was left when he was hung on a cross. And God turned his face away from his innocent son, his blameless son. And his son cried out to God, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. The greatest disappointment in human history happened that day. And what was really strange was the Jews thought they got what they got it. They had the power. They got what they wanted. And Pilate thought, well, you know, they can deal with it. Herod said, yes, that was because of my will that that happened. But you know what? He was left so that we would never be left alone. And he is with us. Whatever our disappointment, he is right there with us. It wasn't their will but it was God's bigger, broader, wider plan. They thought it would happen in a different way, but God had his own plan that Jesus would die and be raised again for us, to be with us forever. And Pastor Phil says God doesn't always answer us with a change of circumstance, but rather by injecting boldness into our soul. Past, <coughs> sorry, Psalm 138.3 says, in the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. And I think we need to cry out to God. And he will help us in our soul. He will make us bold. So I just want to invite the worship team up. And I want to ask you, has something disappointed you? Are you being disappointed right now? Have you been waiting and keeping yourself pure for that special person and it just hasn't happened? Are you going through the second round of chemo? I want to tell you God is with you. Are you on your sixth round of IVF? God is with you. Have you been going to job interview after job interview? God is with you. Have you been looking for a house and every time you think you're getting there, it just slips out of reach? Every time you save enough money, house prices get higher. God is with you. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're battling, God is with you. I just want to encourage everyone today to trust God, to look at the bigger picture and to know that nothing happens outside of God's will. Nothing happens outside of his will. Now, as we stand, I'm just going to 
ask people, if you, are, if you have any disappointment at all, we want to make a time here where we can come to the altar of God. I want you to put it in your hands and to bring it to God. Whatever it is, if it's a disease, whatever it is, put it in your hands and come out and raise your hands to God at the altar and the team will pray. Because what we want to do is we want to guard our hearts and we want to receive what God has for us, that anointing, the anointing that Jesus says, I will anoint, he will anoint, the good shepherd will anoint his sheep. We want to have that in our lives. So anything that you're struggling with, put it in your hand and come out the front as we start to worship God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I pray for every person, Lord, every person that's carrying anything at all, Father, any burden, Lord, any disappointments, Father God, that have hurt. I just pray for every person. Lord, you're the healer. and You're the one that anoints us with your oil. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You unravel me with the melody and you surround me with song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears gone and I'm no longer slave to fear child God and I'm no longer slave to fear I am a child of God yes I am yes I am oh Lord I am yours from my mother's womb you have chosen me, your love has called my name, and I've been born again to a family.
Jesus, we are surrounded by the love of the Father. We are surrounded by the love of the Father. We are surrounded by the love of our Father. We are surrounded by the love of the Father. We are surrounded by the love of the Father. We are surrounded by the love of the Father. We are surrounded by the love of the Father. We are surrounded by the love of the Father. There is freedom in this place. 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 There is freedom in the name of Jesus. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. Yeah. 